Hi, welcome to the Written by Richosic podcast. Have you ever played that game, Flying or Invisibility, where you have to decide which superpower you would want to have? It's easy to fantasize about being able to do the things the superheroes in the movies do. After all, Iron Man is just an ordinary guy in a super suit. Batman is pretty smart, but as Bruce Wayne once said, his superpower is being rich. Granted, some of them are indeed extraordinary. Superman is a straight-up alien, Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider, and Thor is an outright god. But putting the fantasy aside, if you did have a superpower, if you could do magic, be able to heal from any injury, be super strong, or maybe control gravity with your mind, would you know what to do with it? What would stop you from doing more harm than good? It may not be as easy as you think. Enjoy. Light as a feather. What would you do if you could control gravity? Phileas asked. I had always admired my friend for having a wonderfully unique name. His parents claimed it was a family name and had nothing to do with the protagonist of Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 Days. Regardless, he wasn't just another Tom, Dick, or Harry. He had a name that was memorable, that stood out. He was always the only Phileas in the room, or, as far as I knew, the state. How do you mean control gravity? I asked. Like Graviton in the comics? Graviton was a supervillain who could lift buildings into the air and then drop them, things like that. I think I remember he had a run-in with the Avengers at one point. As a physicist, I found his origin story absurd. His body had been fused with Graviton particles, giving him the ability to control gravity with his mind. That's not how gravity works, folks. You know, turn it on and off, Phileas replied. I'd go into the satellite launching business, Nemo chimed in. I swear not all of my friends have the same names as Jules Verne's characters, just these two. And Nemo is a nickname. Can't blame his parents for that moniker. They could charge like $10 million per satellite. Still cheaper than SpaceX, but no overhead. Is everything about money for you? Phileas asked. Of course, Nemo replied. Once you have enough money, you can do anything else. Just look at Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. I bet if they wanted to, they could become superheroes like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne wasn't a superhero. He was an alter ego, I pointed out. How can a real guy be an alter ego? Isn't he the original ego? Nemo asked. No such word. And it doesn't matter. He's not a real guy. He's a fictional character. Technically, he's Bob Kane's alter ego. He's Batman's secret identity, Phileas said. But everyone knows who Bruce Wayne is. That's not much of a secret, Nemo replied. It's a secret that he's really Batman, Phileas clarified. Why are you asking about the gravity thing? I asked, changing the subject. No reason, Phileas replied. Just making conversation. Nemo and I exchanged a look. You think you can control gravity, don't you? I said knowingly. Phileas shrugged. Dude, you always think you have some psychic ability or power. It's all in your head, Nemo said. Yeah, that's how psychic powers work, Phileas countered. Did you guys see that story in the news about all those different volcanoes around the world erupting? Why are you trying to change the subject? I asked. I'm not. Sure sounded like it to me, Nemo said. Go on then. If you can control gravity with your mind, show us. Phileas sort of bobbled in his seat. That was the only way I could think of how to describe it. It was as if he was sitting in a chair at the bottom of a swimming pool. He pushed against the armrest and began slowly rising into the air. Nice one, Nemo said. Is this like that light as a feather, stiff as a board thing we used to do when we were kids? Phileas took in a deep breath and blew out as forcefully as he could. The jet of air propelled him slightly backward and he slowly drifted over the chair and toward the far wall. 
This was obviously not some party trick. He was just floating, weightless. How are you doing that? I asked. Phileas shrugged again. I don't know exactly. I just take away gravity and it's gone. That's impossible, I said. Yeah, I know, Phileas replied. As he neared the far wall, he repositioned himself into a horizontal pose with his feet tucked up under him. Then he pushed off the wall and propelled himself across the room, right between Nemo and myself. As he approached a couch on the opposite side of the room, he started falling, then curled up into a ball and crashed into the cushions. I have to work on my landings, he said apologetically. We are going to be so rich, Nemo said. I have a million ideas how we can cash in on this. Can you just affect gravity for yourself, or can you, like, raise a school bus or something? A school bus filled with swimsuit models. How do you know you're affecting gravity? I asked. You could just be affecting your own buoyancy somehow, though how either one is possible I can't comprehend. It's not just me. Then I felt as if I had just crested the top of a giant hill on a roller coaster. I was suddenly weightless myself. I pushed up slightly with my feet against the ground, and suddenly gravity was back and I fell back into my seat. Nemo obviously had a similar experience, as did several other inanimate objects in the room as I heard things rattle and clatter, and Nemo shout, Wow! Who needs to pay Richard Branson a million bucks to go into space? We'll offer people the chance at half the price. Phileas ignored our eagerly entrepreneurial friend. You didn't answer my question, he said to me. What would you do if you could control gravity? Even though he had asked me that precise question just moments ago, it felt like a completely different inquiry at this point. Previously, it was just an interesting conversation starter. Now, it was a query with real-world implications. Somehow, some way, my friend since childhood had acquired the ability to control gravity with his mind. I don't know, I answered. I guess I would want to study the phenomenon, see if there was a way to replicate it in a lab. There are a lot of practical applications, the least of which would be space travel. We could ferry people back and forth to the moon. Build a luxury hotel up there. People would pay millions, Nemo said. Phileas continued ignoring our friend. His attention was focused on me as he got up and walked back to the seat where he had been sitting before demonstrating his newfound powers. What if you couldn't replicate it, but you wanted to help people? He asked. What do you mean? I asked back. You could totally be a superhero, Nemo suggested. Gravity Man, Mr. Gravity, ooh, Black Hole, he added, spitballing names. How could I use this to just make the world a better place? Phileas asked me. Just you? One man with the power to control gravity for himself or a small room? What if it wasn't just a small room? Whoa, you can do like a whole building or a mountain? Nemo asked. Let's say there doesn't appear to be any limits to how broadly I can affect gravity. What good could I do? I thought about that. Obviously, there was still a significant constraint. Phileas was only one man. And even if he devoted every waking hour to micromanaging gravity to benefit humanity, what could he do? Do you have to be actively thinking about whatever it is you want to make happen for it to continue? Phileas shook his head. He picked up a book from the coffee table and placed it in the air between us. It hung there, spinning almost imperceptibly. It's like flipping a switch, but it doesn't have to be on or off. Do you have a scale? Like a bathroom scale? I asked. Yeah. I got up and walked down the hall to my bathroom. In the closet, I had an old scale, the kind with springs and a disc that spun around to your weight. I brought it back out into my living room, and Phileas walked up and stepped onto it. The number swung wildly for a couple of seconds and settled on 182. Watch, Phileas said. 
Nemo came over to join me, watching the numbers on the scale. The scale started moving, sliding past 170, then 150, all the way down to 100, where it held for a while. Then the number spun back up over 200, 250, settling just over 310 pounds. Nemo and I exchanged a look. Forget the lunar hotel idea, Nemo said. This is the ultimate weight loss plan. That's where the money is. The scale returned to 182 and Phileas stepped off. He looked at me. What would you do? He asked once more, this time almost pleading. I hate to admit it, but Nemo's idea of lifting payloads into orbit might be something to consider. We could finish deploying Starlink in an afternoon, build a space elevator, construct interstellar spacecraft here on Earth, and then just lift them out of the gravity well. Jeez, what even is a gravity well anymore? Why do we have to build all that stuff? We just rent out Phileas to do the job, Nemo said. Because we won't always have Phileas. And who knows if anyone else has or ever will have this ability, whatever it is. Phileas returned to his chair and collapsed into its worn upholstered cushions. What if I made a mistake? he asked. That's a good point, I replied. Before you take on anything big, we want to do a lot of controlled laboratory experiments and measurements. We may even want to get you up to the International Space Station to start. You won't even need a space shuttle, Nemo added. I can just put you in a spacesuit and you can float on up. What if it's already too late? Phileas pondered. His voice was quiet, as if he was asking the question not to me and Nemo, but himself. What do you mean, too late? I asked. Phileas ignored my question. Have you ever read that story, Belief, by Isaac Asimov? I nodded. It was one of my favorites from the golden age of science fiction. In it, a man wakes from a dream in which he was flying to discover that he is actually levitating in real life. It started kind of like that, but instead of me dreaming I could fly, I was just lying on my back in the park. There's a hill I like to hike to, and then just lay on the grass and stare at the clouds. I was thinking about what it would be like to float among them. I didn't even realize gravity was gone until I went to stand up. I accidentally pushed myself into the air and found myself heading straight up. An object in motion, I said offhandedly. Exactly, Phileas agreed. I didn't know what was happening. But I knew if I didn't do something, I was going to actually be among those clouds. The next thing I knew, I was about 50 feet in the air and falling. I realized too late that I wasn't actually flying. I was subject to the laws of nature. Well, not all of them, obviously. But I don't have negative gravity. I can't, like, repel myself away from something else. So even though I was no longer accelerating toward the ground, I was moving fast enough to hurt myself. What did you do? Nemo asked. We were both literally on the edge of our seats. I scrambled. I tried to orient myself so I could at least land on my feet. The best way I could describe it is that I was swimming in the air. Well, the equivalent of a doggy paddle, at least. And I started slowing down. I slapped my hand against the coffee table in front of me. Of course. Whatever you're doing, you essentially are canceling your mass. Or at least how it applies regarding the force of attraction. What are you talking about? Nemo asked. I slipped into professor mode. The force of attraction is an equation that derives the attractive force between two objects as proportional to the product of the masses divided by the square of the distance between them. If one of those masses is nothing, it zeroes out the equation, and for that body there is no gravity. Phileas nodded. I continued trying to swim my way against the direction I was moving, and then a gust of wind kicked up, and suddenly I was like a dandelion seed floating on a breeze. After a while, I was able to direct myself to a spot where I could make a landing without breaking my neck. I... 
He looked at me as he started to adopt my theory of his abilities. Added back some of my mass so I wouldn't just bounce off the ground. I hurt. My shoulder was sore for days, but I survived. Obviously, Nemo said. After that, I confined my experiments to an indoor setting. And I discovered that I not only was able to control my own mass, but the mass of other objects. He looked at the book he had previously set floating in the air, and it fell back toward the coffee table with a thud. Nemo seemed deep in thought. Okay, so you can't actually fly, but we could outfit you with some kind of jetpack, right? With no mass, you should be able to move around pretty easily, or maybe we could engineer some kind of wings for you. What are you talking about? I asked him. A superhero thing, Nemo asked. You may not be able to zip around like Superman, but we can definitely work with this mass-controlling thing. I don't want to be a superhero, Phileas stated. But you said you wanted to help people, Nemo countered. Not like that. I was thinking bigger. I suddenly became gravely concerned. Phileas had not come to us with the excitement of someone who had learned he could do handstands or shoot a spitball 50 feet with dead aim. Something was wrong. Asking me what I would do is not merely a question. It was an apology. Our eyes met, and I could sense I was right. There was something Phileas wasn't telling us. How big? I asked. He slumped back in his chair, took in a deep breath, and let it out as a sigh. <sighs> I pulled out some old physics books and started looking at what I could do with this power. All sorts of things are affected by the force of attraction equation. Aeronautical lift, friction, fuel consumption. What if, I thought, I could reduce the energy required to do all this work on Earth? What if planes and cars didn't require as much fuel? People could have just a little extra pep in their step. You didn't. I said, as the implications of what he was saying suddenly hit me. Phileas didn't answer. He just looked down at his hands as I gripped the armrests of the chair. Didn't what? Nemo asked. Change the mass of the earth, Phileas confessed. It was just a little. He looked toward me as if for absolution. I didn't know. Nemo signaled with his arms that he was at a loss as his gaze shifted between myself and Phileas. Zack, what is he talking about? he asked. Phileas continued to avoid my stare. Everything has changed, I answered. That doesn't help, Nemo replied. Somebody tell me what the hell is going on. I turned to Nemo. Phileas thought he could solve our energy crisis by making it so that most everything we did would require less of it. Do you remember seeing the old video of Alan Shepard hitting a golf ball on the moon? Who's Alan Shepard? Doesn't matter. The point is you can hit a golf ball for miles on the moon because the moon has less mass and the force of attraction between the moon and the golf ball is less. So, the same amount of energy imparted into the ball by hitting it with a golf club will send it sailing. I wouldn't mind adding a few yards to my drive, Nemo said. The thing is, that's not the only thing that would change. By changing the mass of the earth, you affect all of the forces acting on it internally. Magma would be facing less pressure and could more easily make its way to the surface. Nemo turned to Phileas. Hey, didn't you say something about a bunch of volcanic eruptions? I continued. The orbit of the moon would shift, affecting tides, causing earthquakes as the tectonic plates were suddenly able to move just a little bit easier. As if to punctuate my point, the house began to shake. Is that an earthquake? Nemo asked. And it would affect the Earth's orbit around the sun. Phileas raised his head and looked at me, begging for forgiveness I couldn't give him. I put it back as soon as I realized, he said. I shook my head. It doesn't matter. It's all different now. 
I laughed, thinking about the flood of outrageous conspiracy theories that have been floating around the internet recently. How the tide charts were suddenly wrong. The moon was rotating after millennia of showing the same side to earth as it revolved around us. The sun was dimmer. At the time, I thought it was all some kind of fad. People doing scientific deep fakes, trying to sucker others into believing the world was coming to an end. How many other people had disregarded the warnings as a joke? Maybe they were the lucky ones. They didn't know the world was about to end. Is this bad? Nemo asked. Yeah, Nemo, I said. This is really bad. Nemo's demeanor shifted from his usual upbeat self to uncharacteristically worried. Can't he just, you know, put it back? I shook my head. That's not how his ability works. Anything he would try would create greater perturbations in the system. It would just make things worse. Another earthquake shook the room. Pictures fell from the walls. Car alarms were wailing outside on the street. Power went out. Worse than this? Nemo asked. I'm sorry, Philia said. Sorry? Nemo asked. What the hell, dude? You, like, broke the world. I just wanted to help, he explained. I almost felt sorry for you. A crevice opened up beneath my house. The floor fell away. We all sat floating in the air, defying gravity. I looked at Phileas. What's the point? I asked. Phileas looked at Nima, who finally grasped the gravity of the situation. He nodded grimly. Far below us, magma flowed. I could feel the heat rising up. Phileas shifted his gaze to me, and I nodded as well. He closed his eyes. Next time you want to help, Nemo said, maybe write a check to UNICEF. And we fell. Thank you for listening to Light as a Feather on the Written by Rich Hosek podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this story. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app or download my stories on Audible. Give me a like or five stars and a quick review, and most importantly, share my weekly audio tales with your friends or anyone who enjoys audiobooks. You can find out more about me at richhosek.com, Follow me on Twitter, at Rich Hosick, on Facebook, at Written by Rich Hosick, and don't forget to check out my books on Amazon and follow me there to make sure you get notified of my new releases. And if you're a fan of the paranormal, I am currently presenting the audio version of my novel, Near Death, a rainy day investigation, that I co-wrote with my television writing partner, Arnold Rudnick, and our collaborator, parapsychologist Lloyd Auerbach. And if you're looking for other original story podcasts, check out As Read by Me, at, not surprisingly, asreadbyme.com. They have an eclectic mix of fiction, poetry, and essays that are sure to keep you entertained, all read by the authors. Thanks again, and all the very best.